You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast number 77. Thomas Miller here. I'm thinking of uh, the words that a doctor told me uh, a little while back. I'm six, almost four. So, you know, it's kind of easy for me to hide pounds in various places in and around. And I've been working on this diet. And I just remember he said, when I see you next, I will see less of you. (laughs) So you're getting less of me but you just can't see that part. Man, have I been working on it. And when you get up to this point in the timeline of life uh, where I am, uh, pounds are a lot more difficult to come by. Uh, Downward pounds, that is. Upward pounds are simple. You could do that in, uh, in one meal, but try to get them to come down. Well, that's a whole nother topic, and I've been working on it. We're going to talk about that in uh, a little bit later in the podcast because that came up for me and something that I want to tell you about. In fact, there are so many good things to tell you about. It's almost hard to know where to start. I always sit down and make an outline of the show, and I do have at least a roadmap of where we'd like to go, but we might tangent off. We'll just see where this ends up. But I mean, there are so many great things going on, and one of them that some of you might appreciate is uh, you, you notice that I've never said anything really on this show about social media. I do have a Facebook account. Some of you have connected with me on there. But about the same time, in fact, it was the same time that I was starting this podcast, right there two years ago, mom had just passed away. And all of a sudden, I start getting these uh, calls. First of all, there were some messages on Facebook. And then I started getting calls from friends of mine. And they, they were saying that there's this lady in Canada who's trying to get a hold of you about some Facebook post or Facebook page of a guy that she's in a relationship with in Detroit who's using your pictures as his image. And, and come to find out that's exactly what was going on. I, at first, I kind of dusted it off. But then when some people who I know and I really respect and they're close friends started to call and say, hey, this lady's bugging me on Facebook. She really needs to get a hold of you. And yeah, some guy or gal, who knows, some computer, maybe it was a bot, maybe it was just a computer bot, but somebody was using my images. They had gone in and grabbed my images, and one of the ones that they had on their page on Facebook was of me and my brother and my mom, and she was actually wearing the dress that we buried her in. And all of this was coming down around Mother's Day. So it just put a really mm, off taste in my mouth for the whole thing, and It's kind of like watching TV. I've unplugged my cable as well because, you know, the one thing that you have is time. And when, again, you know, the kind of the eye openers of, I I so wish that as a 50-something, there would be a way to bottle what it's like being 50 and sell it to all the (laughs) 20-somethings. Because I've said this, you know, there's just something about experiencing three decades of adult life that sheds a different light on thing and, and things. And one of those things that you realize is, man, the value of not every day, but every hour. So I just don't see spending a lot of time looking at cat pictures and food pictures. And all of a sudden you realize, and you all have known, you know what I'm talking about. You look down and you've been on that thing for 45 minutes. And, uh, and I've just... I don't know. I've, in fact, the first thing we're going to talk about is something that I've done recently to really increase my productivity. And in that light, um, it's kind of social media comes with that. But <laughs> all that said, but you know that podcast conference that I went to a couple of weeks ago. Well, they were blowing it up that thing on Twitter, right? And they had the 
what do you call it where you put the hashtag, you know, where you got the Twitter thing. And and um, so I, I kind of caught in the – I got in the groove and I reignited the Twitter page that I had set up some time ago. So I'm trying to use it at least once a week. <laughs> I know Twitter, you're supposed to be on it all day. Sorry, guys, ain't going to happen. But uh, if you would like to connect on social media, let's try Twitter at SubconsciousMM. That was the best I could come up with. You know, they don't give you much, right? They don't give you many characters. Subconscious MM on Twitter, if you would like to connect there. Would love to have you. And what I've been amazed is that the Twitter, uh, what do they call it? Follow on Twitter, you follow, right? Uh, the Twitter follows have really increased quite a bit. So um, pretty cool. Maybe some people out there searching for subconscious. Now, let me tell you something that I did uh, two weeks ago that just made all the difference in the world. Again, I really came back from this podcast conference just fired up, and that's the beauty of a live event. When you get around energy, and you know we talk about levels of energy, and I knew that the podcast conference had a really high level of energy. And I was thinking about it. Why? Think about it. What's one of the highest levels of energy in the 500s? If you've, if you've listened to the audiobook Levels of Energy or read the book by Fred Dodson, the one that I um, narrated on audiobook, is um, creativity. So you here you have a room of a thousand very creative, self-expressed people who love what they do. No wonder the energy of that conference was the way it was. And it really caught fire. And I took advantage of their um, uh, pre-registration offer to sign up for the 2016 Podcast Movement Conference in Chicago. So if you are headed or interested in podcasts, Head there. It'll be in Chicago in uh, probably in August in uh, 2016, which will be cooler than Dallas. Everybody was complaining about the heat, especially all the Californians. They were like, oh, it's so hot down here. It was only 100. But <laughs> point is, I came back from that thing really fired up. So I took a look at the workspace that I was using in my uh, downtown apartment, which happens to be the uh, old executive office of a, a famous department store, Teich's Department Store. The old building, built in 1928, is now renovated into apartments, mostly studio lofts. But but I happened to just come across it uh, when I started working downtown and got the apartment that was the president's office. And it is the coolest place in that you just could ever imagine. And the space feeds off of those CEOs that led that department store for all those decades. But it's a, so it's a great place to work. But I didn't have the workspace lined up like I wanted it to be. So the first thing I did is I took a look at that and came up with a plan of what I could do to really make some conscious improvements. So I did that two weekends ago. Then I went to the store because I wanted to pretty it up a little bit. So I got some things. And, you know, this is one of the cool things. When you go shopping, whether it's for clothes or even food, this would be a great thing to do with food. Are you in tune with energy enough yet? If you've been listening to this, if you've done the levels of energy work, if you've kind of followed down this path for yourself and studied this material, you can walk into a store and tell what items have energy that are literally calling out to you. Things that feel good versus things that don't feel good. I'm not talking about do you like it or would it look good on or does it match something else. I'm talking about just almost kind of like walking down the aisle, even blind. Maybe you just run your hand down the aisle and then, whoop, there it is. And you just look over at that one and it's like that one is the one that has the energy calling out. Well, I pulled a few things off the shelf that fit that bill. 
Then I got on Amazon. <laughs> Amazon is the great solution to everything, especially for a mostly a non-shopper. Although I did go out and shop for those little few things because I wanted to pick things. I wanted to actually see them and kind of sense that energy. But there's a guy, Pat Flynn, who has a popular podcast called Smart Passive Income. And Pat did the keynote talk there at the podcast convention. And I, so I listened to a couple of his podcasts and heard that he had done his workspace in his room. He took a room, converted it into his office. And on his desk, he, um, he was a former architect now. So it's kind of cool to have designed this. The surface, the whole top surface of the desk is a whiteboard. Now he has one hanging on the wall, but the surface of his desk is a whiteboard. I thought, how cool is that? Well, hard to replicate, right? Because the surface, I have a stand-up desk. I love my stand-up desk from Versa Tables is where I got that thing from. But it has a, a laminate top. And I thought, well, what in the world could I do? And I started looking at Amazon, and I'll be doggone if at a glance does not have peel-and-stick whiteboards. That's right. You can peel the back off and lay it down and stick it down, and it is a writable white surface. And I measured my desk, and there was actually room for three of these things, one to my left, one in front, one to the right. And just peel and stick right on the desk surface, and man, good to go. I ended up putting two of them down. I didn't put the one up in front. Might still do it. Might just still do it, because one of the neatest things about having those right there on the work surface is – you can capture any, like, spontaneous, you know, those little thoughts that you get that are inspirations from your subconscious. But we don't capture them, and they're gone. And, and with my memory, they're gone quickly. So on this whiteboard, I have things that I'm working on this week. I have things that I really need to get done, kind of those areas that I want. This is the area that I want to go. And then over on the left-hand side is kind of more my future planning. It's the more distant roadmap of these are the big macro projects. And it, I'll tell you, it's so inspiring just to go in there and look at those whiteboards and see everything that's planned out, everything that's mapped out. I know where I'm headed. And then I have plenty of this white space to just capture those in-the-moment thoughts as they come up. So from that, I am creating a couple of new ventures, new business lines uh, that are that I'm very excited about. And the other thing that I started to do was write a book. I've been itching to do another podcast, and I thought, well, why do it for somebody else? I'll just do it for me. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit later in this podcast. But the point is, so just here's a little piece of encouragement to take away from this. Have a look around. Whether, whether you work in an office or in a cubicle or at home, take a look around. What is something significant, or you might even say something insignificant, that you would do to increase your productivity. One or two things, maybe, just over the next week, look around your space, step back from it, and go, if I just made a couple of changes, I could increase my game by X, and then do them, and then extend that to other areas of your life. I already told you, one that I'm working on is dieting and uh, exercising. I've been doing that regularly now over at Doug's Gym on Commerce Street downtown. That is the coolest. I'll tell you, that's the coolest place. This guy has been in business for 50, 60, 53 years. He is 85, turning 86, 
and he's in the best shape of anybody you've ever seen in your life. He's amazing. He has punching bags in there, and he gets in there and starts hitting on those punching bags with bare fists. He doesn't even put boxing gloves on. He's, it just It's incredible. Great place. Super, super uber great energy in Doug's gym. So I've been exercising, dieting, working on these pounds, and just setting the goal. I mean, I've got my goal in mind, and then just walking it down and doing it in a healthy way. And see, here's here's the ripple effect. So when you throw the stone in and you create the new office space, and now all of a sudden you raise your game and you start to perform better in these other areas, and then you look out to the next ring and you say, well, I could increase my game here. And then look out some more and I could increase my game there. And all of a sudden your life just begins to continue to radiate out. And one of the other areas that just came up for me, and I'm just mentioning this as it came up for me, it may not come up for anybody else, but I, you know, I look, I love a glass of wine. I went to Napa here back earlier in the summer and uh, also toured the Oregon wine country. I have no problem with a glass of wine, but it was interfering with some things because look, if I'm starting a couple of businesses, writing a book, amping up my life, getting ready to do a book and a podcast release, trying to lose weight when pounds are difficult to lose. I mean, it really takes a concentrated effort. Then I was realizing that the sedation, basically, if you will, of wine in the evenings was taking a little piece of my evenings away. And it was also adding, I mean, it was adding, you know, there's about 150, 200 calories in a glass of wine, and it was adding that every evening. So it was making my weight loss efforts more challenging. So I just decided that for a while I would take a hiatus there and feeling better, more clear in the evening, more clear in the morning, and the pounds are easier. At least by a couple of days, I'm noticing a difference. So the point is, look around your life. I started looking around my life and even, you know, even bending the elbow and raising, okay, what's coming up to your mouth? Oh, do you really need this? Because I'm asking myself, I'm in this dialogue with myself, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? I'm just looking for things and then they come up. So that one really probably even surfaced by itself. I think it was calling me rather than me trying to go find it. Another thing I did is resurrected some old material from the past. If you are a regular listener, you will remember me talking in the earlier podcasts about Dr. Dean Sullivan and his program called the Mind Mastery Program. Now, to my knowledge, and I honestly, I haven't even looked because his program is online, the one that I did. Uh, I haven't looked to see if he's written a book subsequently, but I love his bridge keeper analogy, as you know, and I wanted to blow the dust off of that a little bit. But there are logins and everything to have to get into the site. But while I was working on the book, I wanted to revisit the bridge keeper material and possibly even use some excerpts from his work. So by the time I got logged in and everything, I just thought, well, I ought to just do the course again. Now, it's different than what it used to be. He scrubbed what was two years ago, and now he has three main sections. One is for weight loss, another is for happiness, and the other is for stress and anxiety. Those are the three main programs. I think those are $30 now. They used to be, it used to be about 100 bucks for this thing. And the original Mind Mastery program, now you can get on your uh, tablet or your phone, and it's like 10 bucks. But And that's the one where the bridge keeper is, and I'll have to go back and resubscribe to that. But my goodness, it's worth 10 bucks. Sean is, has come up with some really excellent material here. But I just decided while I was in there, I would go ahead and redo the, the other classes. So I started this week, actually, 
And one of the first things he has you do is start to get in touch with yourself. And this was just an amazing exercise. And, you know, when you hear that just in and of itself, oh, we're going to get in touch with ourselves. You know, that just sounds really inspiring, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like you've got to be kidding me. No, but really what he's saying is that we don't spend the time to get quiet enough. And you've heard me harping on this for several podcasts in the past that we just don't get quiet enough to listen to what's going on. And he has a great story that kicks this thing off that illustrates how what we tell ourselves drives our behavior, not only our future behavior, but almost where you are right now. Where you are right now is the sum total of all the collective thoughts that you're telling yourself. And he said it so well. He said, if I could just connect and know everything that I was saying to myself, then I would know how to change it. If I understood exactly what my mind was saying in those times that I'm not really in tune with it, the times that I'm checked out on social media, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, right? It's like we're not conscious of our thoughts all the time. And what he's trying to do is say, become conscious of your thoughts on a continual basis from the standpoint of measuring them. Is this taking me toward my goals? Is this leading me where I want to go? Is this leading me farther away from where I want to go? So I started implementing it. Now, he has you do it for uh, a little morning meditation, so five minutes. So for me, being in the uh, you know the executive office of the old department store, my apartment, uh, everything was okay there really, pretty good. I set the timer, and I had my journal, and I captured thoughts as they were coming through, and mostly it was kind of along the lines of where I'm going with my life. The second part, though, he has you do it with exercise. Well, that works out perfect because Doug's gym is within walking distance for me, and then I can take a little extra few blocks coming back, and it's no big deal, so I can get the time in. He says for 20 minutes while you're walking, measure your thoughts. Well, so I go to the gym. This was the first day, day one. There's a guy over there working with a 55-pound dumbbell. He was doing something with his arms. I don't know. I didn't even notice. But as I was glancing back over, he dropped the weight at the end of the exercise. You know how, you know, it's kind of, and he's kind of a big shouldered guy, but you know, he's eight, nine, 10, you know, you're so glad to get 10 and making a big deal out of it. Well, he, and then, and then you drop the weight on the floor and it, you know, it crashes and it's like, oh, this guy's lifting a lot of weight. You know, it's a testosterone gym thing. Well, he threw the weight down on the ground or let it drop. I mean, he didn't throw it. He let it drop. You don't have to throw 55 pounds. Now, Doug's gym is 53 years old. (laughs) That means those weights are 53 years old. And it broke. The end of the weight broke. Now, fortunately, those are weights that you can screw back together. So a little makeshift with a washer and everything. And and Doug and his assistant started to go to work on, uh, you know, putting the weight putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. But immediately what I noticed was that my thought went to judgment and make wrong. I mean, I was butchering this poor guy all in my mind. But the snap instant thought that I had was judgment and make wrong. I was making him wrong for dropping the weight. I was judging him for, I don't know, being a jerk or whatever. And what's funny about that, and you know this always happens. You know this always happens. It's happened to all of us. We met at the water fountain a few minutes later, and he introduced himself. He said, hi, are you new? Hi, my name is whatever he said his name, and was just the nicest guy in the world. But because I was in the space of the Mind Mastery program that I had just started, 
I captured that immediately. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's not what I want to be doing. That's not what I'm about. And what shocked me was how quickly it came up. I mean, it was just instant on. So that gave me the clue that that was happening in other places, and I wasn't even aware of it. Here's the subconscious podcast guy writing a book about fear and doing all this work and all this journaling and everything, and just the awareness of that one particular type of thought, category of thought that came up so quickly, and I wasn't aware that it was just right there on the surface. Well, I finished my workout, and then I took around the block to walk down an extra couple of blocks to come back home to do the other part of the observing the thoughts. So the first thing I ran into in downtown Dallas was somebody begging for money. And what did I do? (laughs) You guessed it, without even thinking about it. Instantly, judgment, make wrong. Then I came down Main Street and... Coming up Main Street the other way was a group of about five or six friends, co-workers probably, at least friends from the downtown area who were obviously on their lunch break. It was a hot afternoon, and they were all eating ice cream. And let's just, to, to be as nice as I can about this, from a guy who is struggling every day to lose a pound, let's just say that they were not, <laughs> okay? The, the group consensus was weight was not the focus, nor the priority. And what did I do? I mean, it's like they don't even care. And here I am fighting for every pound and walking an extra 20 minutes and judgment and make wrong. So boy, did I have something to journal when I got back from my little excursion out to the gym. I had uncovered through the Mind Mastery Program something that had really opened my eyes to something that was right under my nose and right on the top of my head and my consciousness that I hadn't dealt with. So what's the best way to turn something like that around? Well, the best thing that works for me is that 180 principle, the Seinfeld do the opposite episode. If you have to go watch that again just for a good laugh, if nothing else, go on YouTube and just uh, type in Seinfeld opposite and you'll get the episode. But it's like, what's the opposite of judgment and make wrong? And for me, that came up to be blessing and peace. So I started offering blessing and peace to people as I walked in day two. And it made a world of difference. So now it becomes just the repetition and the intention of deliberately, when I see somebody out there on the horizon, where before might have turned into a judgment, the first thing that I'm coming up with is offer them a blessing and offer them peace. And we know enough from our work and energy that we know that when you do that, they feel it. They feel that radiation coming from your direction. They might not know that it's you, and especially if you're hiding in a group of people walking down Main Street, they'll just know it's coming from the left over there. But people can sense when you're sending energy. You know the old crowd test, right? If you're standing in a crowd like, uh, oh, a perfect example would be waiting for uh, to get through the luggage clearance, the security check at the airport, and you're standing in a crowd. You can pick somebody in that crowd, and you can just focus on them. And they're not looking at you. Find somebody who's not eye-to-eye contact. And you just focus on them and send them something. Send them love. Send them peace. Send them money. You know, just say, hey, I wish money would come your way in, in a short period of time. Or send them something positive. And, you know, about eight out of ten times, maybe seven out of ten times, that person will start looking around. 
<laughs> it's the funniest thing to do. And then when you do, when they start looking around, man, then cut it off. That's it. <laughs> Play fair, but that's you moving your energy around is what exactly that is. So by conditioning now, being intentional, sending blessings and peace, that's going to build a habit. And it takes about 30 days to build a habit. We know that Dr. Sullivan's program is 21 days, so I have some extra time there. And I'm going to build a new habit of when I encounter somebody, I'm just going to automatically, I want to offer them a blessing and peace. You could even use Dr. Darren Weissman's infinite love and gratitude if that works for you better. Or any other positive emotion that just comes to your spirit and your heart. Finally, I just wanted to tell you about this book that I'm writing. I'm really excited about this. I'm going to publish it on Amazon. It will be an ebook, and I'm going to do a paperback as well because there are still a lot of people that want to read books. This first one that I'm doing, oh, I came across this interesting statistic. This was from Michael Hyatt, did a webinar on book publishing. If you don't know of him, he has a great website, michaelhyatt.com, and he was the former chairman of Thomas Nelson Publishing in Nashville. So this guy knows the publishing business. And he said that, this was amazing to me, books that are under 100 pages, people will finish them 60% of the time. If the book is under 200 pages, they will finish it, you ready for this, 20% of the time. If the book is over 200 pages, only 3% of the readers will finish the entire book. Well, I've never sat in a publishing company office, much less in the chairman's office, but it just made sense to me that we are in such a compressed society today. We do everything so much faster. Talking about Twitter, subconscious MM, if you want to jump on there and connect, that we're down to 140 characters. It's like everything is so boom, 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 snap instant now that it made sense to me to write a shorter book. So I wanted to do an airplane read book, and the first topic is going to be on fear. I chose that for two reasons. One reason was what I heard at the podcast conference. I heard so many people talking about wanting to start a business or do something in their life to make a difference, to make a change, to advance themselves, and fear is the number one thing that stopped them. So when I'm hearing all these highly creative, self-expressed podcaster types talking about fear being in their way, basically, that triggered something for me. And I heard that not once, not twice, but multiple times. And then fear is my dominant emotion. So in the space of that, I want to tell you as a last little story for this podcast, something that happened to me this past week that was really amazing. You've heard me talk in previous podcasts about talking to your subconscious, giving it a name and talking to your subconscious. Well, some material that uh, actually Leslie Thornton, you know, I interviewed Leslie a couple of podcasts ago. She and I are working on some developing some things together, and she has some highly effective material on drawing out blocks that might be standing in your way. So she and I did this exercise that she has come up with. Very revealing and very accurate. It helped me identify some blocks that I had, very specific. That was a couple of weeks ago that she did that, and I had been pretty busy and just had left it aside and got the prompt. I woke up early one morning this past week, and I had the prompt to go in and revisit that. So rather than hitting snooze, I got myself up. Those are the times, man, when you get knock, 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 you know, and it's early in the morning or something like that, uh, and you just get that prompt and it's heavy on your conscious, it's heavy on your heart, 
man, that's the time to jump up and do it and lean into it. So I did, and I added another layer to what Leslie was doing where I actually brought out and, if you will, took those subconscious voices and broke them into three separate units, three separate voices, if you will. One was permission, areas where I was not giving myself permission. Another was safety, so area where things were not safe for me to do. And then finally it led to, and this was all intuitive, just walking through this process was all intuitive. So I brought permission out and said, would you just mind standing or being over here standing, but that's us. <laughs> would you mind just positioning yourself here in the room and safety? Would you mind just being here and fear? And I had an ottoman there and I said, fear, why don't you just be here? Because we're going to talk for a while. And I'll tell you, I spent probably two hours on this whole process. Good thing I got up early. And just like they were in the room, I started with my journal in my lap. I started to have a dialogue with each one. Hey, permission, would you tell me more about why I don't have permission in this one particular area of block? And I mean the thoughts just started to come. They started to flow. Now, obviously, I'm setting up a little, oh, what, energetic picture, I guess, this little energy picture of what's going on here. But by inviting those areas of my subconscious to literally position themselves somewhere in the room where I could look in that direction, and I was literally, I wish I had videotaped this. It would have been priceless. I would have needed a camera kind of looking at me and then one over my shoulder as I was writing down and then to see that there's nothing over there. But I'm looking in that direction as though I was looking at somebody just standing or sitting right there. And then I would move over and I said, safety, let's talk. Tell me what's going on. And safety was a lot more direct in its communication. It told me exactly what I needed to hear about reasons why I wasn't considering it safe to uh, for this particular area. And then I looked at fear. And what's interesting is where permission and safety, these two areas of my subconscious mind, these two subcategories, if you will, they were really relatively quite easy to negotiate with. Fear told me something completely different. Now, just try this on. One of the most profound things I've heard in my own journey is on one of the interviews I did with Fred Dodson, where he said, I think it was the one on when we talked about parallel universes of self, where he talked about his childhood experience, which for him from birth through about age four was very unpleasant. And it made him realize that we don't come in a blank slate. And that was one of the biggest keys to my own enlightenment was to realize that I had brought stuff into this life. Where did it come from? Hey, we could get on that discussion and not get anywhere. But the point is, I knew from my own experience, just like Fred was saying, from his own reality, his own experience, that it didn't just start as all systems go blank, whiteboard, neutral at age birth go. There was stuff there for him and I knew there was stuff there for me. And I was born into this arena of fear. And the book talks about that. That's one of the early setups in the book. And by the way, the book is written in a very punchy way. I mean, it's a Twitter type of read. There's not going to be a lot of repetition in this thing. It gets in and it goes. You have to to keep it to, what, 75 pages or whatever it's going to be. But fear told me that it was my karmic 
emotion. In other words, we were here to do business together. We were here to deal with each other. So while permission and safety were elements, fear had a whole different purpose. And it revealed that its purpose, it as fear in me, was to diminish. And my karmic purpose was to remove fear during this lifetime. So basically, fear told me that it would not go away. It was like, no, I can't do that. So what that gave me was it it empowered me to realize that when fear comes up, that it's all part of the tapestry and it's only doing its role. So it made it a lot easier from that instant on to dissolve fear, to literally just set it aside, to kind of remove it again, to put it out there and say, okay, I get it. You're only doing what you need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to minimize it. And it also said that in my learning how to deal with it, then it was helping its karmic purpose to lower its influence in my life. So in other words, it's trying to work itself down to zero influence. I'm trying to work it down to where it doesn't bother me at all. And it said that we were basically partners in this dual mission. Man, that was cool. That took a big sting out of a big area of my life. So we agreed. We agreed that although some of the things it said were not what I wanted to hear, that we would support each other in our missions, that I would do my part. It would continue to do its part. But as it did, realizing that as I did my part, remember, I'm the one in control, right? It's not in control. I'm in control. It's looking to me saying, if you will just do your part, we could just be done with this. Get on to something else. So what a meditation that was. That was absolutely amazing. One of the most incredible processes I've been through. If you are interested in doing this process, Leslie takes clients. I don't. She does. She could work with you. I will fill her in on exactly what took place, and she will know the overlay. Her website is Leslie M. Thornton. That's M as in Marie, Mary, Michael, Miller, You get the idea. LeslieMThornton.com. Her contact information is there, and you could book a session with her. I would suggest that because this is not really something that could be easily packaged. This is personalized, so you need to work through a session. Then you can be creative on your own. You might want to go back for another, but but at least do the first one with some guidance on this. LeslieMThornton.com. I will also have that on my website at SubconsciousMindMastery.com. Well, we covered a lot of ground today, and I hope it was helpful. Look at the rings outside. Throw the rock in your life and look at the rings and step your game up one ripple at a time. And when you do, you will not help but to enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thank you for listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery, podcast number 77. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.